everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today's is your host, Evan Saturn, and my co-host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Saturn. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page on array at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support over there is very much appreciated, as always. I'm joining you guys today for our recap of the Grizzlies game, which happened on Saturday. It's coming to your inbox here on Monday morning. Another impressive win for the Phoenix Suns, Brian, as they led by double digits for most of this game, 114 to 105. The Suns are now 4 and 2 on the season, their best start in the last six years, their best statistical start from a point differential in almost 15 years. What's your thoughts not only on this game, but also this start for the Suns as now five of the six games and now coming out of DeAndre? I'll just start us off here with, with my first uh, free throw because it's it's exactly my answer to this question that you just asked, which is I've been most impressed, I think. And I'm sure we'll get into a couple of the main guys who have been keys to this run here of the first six games of the season. But I think the fact that we're seeing different guys on a night-to-night basis and that you are getting evidence every game that some of the systematic structures that are in place of, uh, you know, spacing the floor, emphasis on taking threes, emphasis on ball movement, emphasis on cutting, those types of uh, higher level team concepts are benefiting not just the top two, three, four players on this team, but everybody has been what's impressed me the most, I think. And it, it, it applies on both ends, but I'm speaking specifically as it relates to the Grizzlies' victory here, or the, the Suns' victory over the Grizzlies, with Bridges and Johnson on offense, two guys that I had talked about a little bit, like, okay, waiting for them to step out of this funk and kind of be a little bit more assertive that we know that they can be. We've seen, obviously, Johnson do it for years, and Bridges uh, had a strong end to last season playing aggressively on offense, and they both stepped up, and it was on a night where guys like Javon Carter and Dario Saric didn't have it going. So that's just been a breath of fresh air to see that it's not just Devin Booker or Kelly Oubre having to be superheroes for this team to win games. Yeah, it really is impressive the overall team effort that we saw in tonight or in the game on Saturday. You have four guys in double digits in the starting lineup, Adam Frank Kaminsky and Mikhail Bridges off the bench, also getting in double digits, and Tyler Johnson came pretty close himself with nine points. I think that's what's impressed me the most so far is that even though Booker gets his points usually, he's usually between the 20 to the 30-point range. But these guys like Baines, Rubio, Ubre, Kaminsky and Bridges on some nights, Javon Carter on some nights, Cam Johnson on some nights, Dario on some nights, it just seems like all these guys are stepping out when they're needed to be called upon. And that's just an overall team balance that I really like so far in the Suns roster. I might have been underrating them from that aspect as far as really anyone that's anyone on this team in their rotation can get a bucket when they need it to be called upon. And at least in this game against the Grizzlies, it definitely worked out for them as they shot Overall, 50% from the field, and they shot 41.2% from three, Brennan. But I'm going to go to my next free throw, or my first free throw here, which, to no surprise, he's been outside Devin Booker, the MVP of this team so far, in my opinion. And he's definitely stepped up admirably in his and DeAndre and absence. Aaron Baines, with 20 points, two rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Six of ten from the field, four of seven from three. Once again, Aaron Baines has proven to be one of the most deadly stretch fives in the NBA. All of a sudden, Brennan, through the first six games, He's shooting almost 50% from the three. What's your overall impression of Aaron Baines so far? Because this is a guy now, you mentioned on the podcast before, that this system might be working a little bit better with Baines in the starting lineup because his floor spacing ability and his overall defensive impact. I think Saturday definitely proved that again once more as far as the impact Baines can make with the players around him. It was was definitely another uh, kind of 
just another example of the same thing we've seen from him time and again. Career high in threes is nice, but uh, really not anything out of the ordinary. He just had one more go in. He had hit three already this season so in a game. So I, I'm just, uh, I think with him yesterday uh, on Saturday, I was most excited by the fact that, you know, on a, on a night where you're facing Jonas Valanciunas, a guy we saw do a number on the Suns last season, even after the Memphis trade where he headed to the Grizzlies, uh, just that they have a guy now, and this will be true with Aiton back. They have a guy now who can match those types of players. Uh, and I think just such a key in the NBA at this point in time is it's, it's oversimplified to say you have to go small and you have to be versatile and shoot and all that. You have to be able to, to kind of match a bunch of different styles. And Baines provides that to the Suns where he's obviously doing all these new things to his game, but you know, at his core, he's still just a guy who's going to be able to play defense at a high level against other centers and uh, Valanchunas was already six of nine in this game, and I think he could have had an even bigger night if not for Baines. Yeah, Baines and his defense certainly. I, I know a lot of Celtics fans. If you're listening to this, you might have fallen the Suns now because of Baines. He, his defense has been not undersold by the Celtics fans from the last couple of years, but I think Suns fans are not realizing just how underrated of a defender and how good of a defender Aaron Baines is at the basket, and also his floor spacing ability is something that's really caught me off guard. I imagine you off guard as well, Brian. That Baines is doing this. At, at, at such a well at such a good clip and we saw during the few world cup action he, he's able to shoot the four but i don't know if we were going to be able to see this in the first six games of the year where he's shooting almost 50 percent from three but i'll toss it your way first here for your next free throw yeah my second one here is a player and it's going to be bridges who i just mentioned a minute ago mikhail bridges just the first game where he really um showed signs of life offensively and it was cool because it wasn't just uh you know some hot three-point shooting he actually didn't even take a three in this game it was just a little bit more pop on those same types of situations that he had been getting open in the past games Uh, and it was just nice to see him convert some of those uh, away from I'm gonna he, he does this crazy thing where he'll catch a pass on a cut and pass it all before he even gets to the rim which is I've never really seen a player do that before the way he does it, where he'll give it up before even executing the cut entirely back up to a, another teammate. Even if they're open, it still is just such a weird play to make because cutting is supposed to get you open at the basket, and, and he kind of avoids even trying that until last night. And so five of six from the field, you really saw the benefit of his cutting and his movement and you know chipped in a couple other areas as well. Six rebounds, four steals for him in addition to those 10 points. So just the kind of well-rounded game that we got used to seeing from Bridges last year and a game I was starting to get worried might not come for a little while. Now we want to see the threes come along as well and that awkward shooting form start to uh, shape up, but I think the confidence he might be able to get from this one could go a long way for him. I wonder what happens, Brian, in the instance that Bridges keeps us up here. Like you mentioned, five, six from the field. He had four steals as well. Definitely a two-way impact on Saturday. He only played 19 minutes, though, in this game. How do you think, if Bridges keeps us up, how do you put him in this rotation as far as getting more minutes? Because Ubre only played 28, Sarge 25, and you had a lot of minutes from Rubio 35, Booker 31. How do you think if McHale keeps up his, his stretch here that he gets more minutes? I think it's just the same thing that we talked about at the beginning with my first free throw of just like like you just went through there. No one is really uh, overwhelming as far as minutes go right now. Uh, and so 
I think it's it's just a matter of having another option, Monty Williams having another option at his disposal, where I'm sure if we see a few more nights like this from Bridges, those three start to go down, maybe he gets to the line a little bit. Who knows? If he continues to string together strong performances, I think we'll see those minutes tick up. Maybe you see Cam Johnson down a little bit. Maybe you see Frank Kaminsky down a little bit. Maybe even Ubre a little lower than 28. But uh, I just think we've seen kind of the fluctuation already, and he'd just be another uh, recipient of that that kind of, uh, I guess it's not praise, but reward from the coaching staff if he performs. My next free throw here, Brandon, shouldn't come as a surprise to any of the listeners out there. Devin Booker finished with 21 points. He also had two assists and a rebound, three of three from three, eight of 13 overall from the field. I think off-ball Booker is going to be a player, as far as his operating around screens, have Ricky Rubio set him up a lot. I think it's going to make his efficiency even more better than we saw last year. He was at 58%. He's at 60 now this year, which is an elite clip for any type of player, especially a high-volume guard like Booker. And he's also shooting 47.1% on good volume so far this year, Brandon from three. What's your thoughts on, on Booker's game on Saturday, but also just the way he's now shooting threes? Because we saw last year the lack of spacing and just the lack of a setup man shooting 32% from three last year. But now this year, with a setup man and more spacing, the, I think the proper amount of spacing surrounding him, it's really helping out and really boosting his three-point percentage where it should be. Yeah, it's been great to see. And I, I think, obviously, 47% feels a little bit unsustainable, but I don't think 40 or higher is crazy to imagine. Um and to be honest, like if it was 45, I don't think that would be uh, bewildering to me. It's just it, it's so unlikely. Very few guys can do that. But it hasn't felt lucky with him. A lot of them are coming open. A lot of them are coming off the catch. Uh, the numbers might say otherwise. So if anyone has checked into that, uh, let me know because I would love to to see the breakdown. I haven't had a chance to kind of dive into it since the season started because he started out not taking as many as I expected. And then he kind of came back to what we all thought a little bit in the past maybe three, two or three games here. So uh, balanced out there, and as you mentioned, 60% true shooting is incredible, and he's not even above 50 from the field. And the the free throw shooting, you know, I think that – I think he's actually like one of the best free throw shooters in the league. So that 90-plus percent streak we saw him go on at the end of last season, I think he's capable of, of those types of just – weeks where he doesn't miss a free throw types of of stretches just like Steve Nash was here in the valley so uh, I think there's reason to believe that though that efficiency is sustainable even if the threes go down a little bit one more point here on Booker before we go on to our next segment to our free to our flagrant fouls just I, I think his usage I believe if I'm not mistaken Brent it's around 27 28 percent and I know the last couple of years I know especially last year is near 32 33 percent I think this extra 5 to 6% dip in Booker is going to help him out, not only just in the flow of the offense with the better teammates around him, but also just conserving his energy. And I think we've seen that, especially through the first six games now. And I think we saw it against the Grizzlies, where having shooters around and having guys who can actually take care of the ball and make smart shots really helps out his game and really conserves him to be able to, when, when we need a basket, we can rely on Booker not to gas out here a little bit. Yeah, I think that that all uh, checks out to me. And as far as the usage stuff goes, um, yeah, 28.1% right now. Also has been cutting back on his turnovers, which is the other part of usage besides shot attempts. So that'll continue to help him. I think we might see the usage tick down if he's taking the same diet of shots but turning the ball over less. And to me, I think the he has a, a ways to go where he's 
cutting down on his turnovers without it, meaning that he's touching the ball less. I think too many of his passing situations turn into turnovers right now. So that can continue to go down. And bringing it back to the Grizzlies game here, he had five uh, five turnovers compared to, I think, uh, two assists. So uh, a, a kind of a bad night there. And he, but he he cleaned it up because he had five early and then didn't turn it over. I think for sure in the fourth quarter, if not the whole second half. So some areas where he can continue to get better. But obviously this stretch has just been awesome from him, and it's so good as you said to see him not have to bring it. Now before we go into notes that we think the Suns or any players or any notes that we think need to improve on going into this game and stuff that's stuff from a negative standpoint. In the Grizzlies game, I want to tell you about our sponsor of today's show, which is Manscaped. Manscaped is number one in, men, in men's below the belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Locked On L O C K E D O N at manscaped.com. All right, Brandon, we'll, I'll give it to you first here. What was your flagrant foul? It's tough to pick one. It was a it was a, just a strong performance. Um, I, I was trying to find one during the break. Uh, it, it feels like a little bit tough to say cam johnson just because he is still a rookie he was the guy though to me i'll go i'll go with two players here sorry if i'm stepping on your feet but uh it would be cam just because i think it's just going to be the natural ups and downs Um, but if i had to pick a guy who feels a little more (laughs) like a guy we can pick on a little bit here it would be dario Saric, and i just think that there's there are a lot of times watching this guy as much as he interests me and and kind of intrigues me on offense uh, his feet are so slow on both ends of the floor he just really doesn't have that uh, fluid mobility that you'd hope for from a guy like most players with his skill set move a little better and so he kind of has every other part of his game except for that and it shows up on defense where guys can just kind of blow by him it also shows up on offense where he's just really not capable of creating plays at a high level, creating good shots at a high level because he's just not up for it from an athletic standpoint. Yeah, I would agree with most of your points there. I think it just goes to show you on some nights, especially from Cam Johnson's standpoint, he finished minus 12 in the box score, which is worst among anyone in the rotation, two of seven from the field, one of five from three. When that shot isn't falling for Cam Johnson, Brandon, I'll throw it back to you for a second before I go into my point. Just, do you feel like at this point in time in Cam, I know it's only a sixth or maybe his fourth career NBA game, but at least in maybe in the first year or two of Johnson's career, if his shot's not falling, you don't really know what's going to happen on some nights? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, we really haven't seen him impact the game in any ways outside of shooting at this point, so you're not getting that there's really hasn't been much you are getting so I think the key for him will be to to knock down shots well enough and have the trust of the coaching staff so that he can start to spread his wings make some mistakes and figure things out a little bit more how he can fit on this team and in the NBA I think they'll give him that leash I just think it's going to be a little bit of a of a growth period just like it is for every rookie Going into my flagrant foul now, it's going to be Javon Carter, who had zero points in this one. He only played 13 minutes, the least amount of the rotation. So, of course, when Monty Williams realized Carter wasn't having his best game and his revenge game, so to say, going back to Memphis, he, he was able to go to Tyler Johnson more often, also Mikhail and Cam Johnson as well. And and Carter definitely, he didn't do much. Oh, one from the field. He had an assist, but three turnovers as well. Played scrappy defense, but... This is what I think this is what we saw from Javon Carter most of last year in Memphis, Brandon, was a player who was kind of erratic at times, a player who really couldn't buy a shot. And 
I know we were talking about before what can sustain here. I, I'm not picking on Carter for any reason here just because he had a bad game, but just as far as regression with players and how hot of starts some players in the, end of the league can have, Carter Shane rules around 45% from three so far. He only took one on Saturday, but I think Carter's one of those players in the rotation, at least before Ty Jerome gets back, who could be one of those players who, who regresses to the mean a little bit. Yeah, that totally, I'm expecting it. And I think what people have to re, like remember, keep in mind with Carter is – and I know, I think you know this, I'm, I'm just saying for our listeners here, like, this is a, a guy who doesn't, the, the shooting, all that stuff, that's just extra. He's not a, he's not an aggressive offensive player. His mentality is not to find his shot. His mentality is to play like a maniac on defense and, and then get his in the flow of the offense and do what it takes to kind of be a winning player on that end, but not necessarily take things over. So some of the the crazy performances he's had offensively this year, I think they're not a fluke, and and he has made progress, I think, but uh, not something that I think is really expected by anyone in that building. So uh, I think we will see nights like this, and and his minutes kind of down ticked a little bit accordingly. Um, did, does this change? I mean, we didn't see the Tiger or the uh, Javon Carter revenge game here, going back to Memphis. Uh, does this kind of act as evidence a little bit that Ty Jerome still has maybe a shot at getting back in this rotation, even with how well Carter has played? I would say so. I think especially like we were talking about in a few minutes, like if he keeps regressing the mean a little bit from that super hot start, I really think there's a chance that Javon, that Javon Carter really usurps or excuse me, that Ty Jerome usurps Javon Carter in rotation here because We've seen before, Brandon, I know if some listeners are new to us this season that just got on in the regular season, there was a lot of offseason buzz from not only players but also coaches about Ty Jerome. And I think he was a player who was really staying out in team workouts in the offseason here. So if Ty Jerome can get back his momentum, I think he's a player who's going to be hard to keep out of the rotation here because just head-to-head comparison real quick between Jerome and Carter, like you mentioned there, Brandon, Carter's a bulldog, a pit bull defender who's a defense-first guy and doesn't really do much else for you. Jerome's a pass-first, six-foot-five guard who could play either the one or the two. His defense and athleticism might be lacking a little bit, but I think with the way we've seen so far, especially with the way he's handled Cam Johnson and Mikhail Burrs in their minutes so far, I think Monty Williams favors offensive or defense. And if Jerome can get his shooting and passing going right away, I think he's going to be a a player to watch that maybe takes Carter's spot. For sure. And I I just, I'm as much as I'm excited about the fact that other guys stepped up, you, you do want as few holes in that rotation as possible. So having Carter maybe not be the the perfect answer on offense, I think does uh, hurt him and hurt his ability to to play heavy minutes like he has. So we'll see. And it's going to be something to monitor as we get closer to Jerome's return. We will go on to our stats to watch here. The numbers that stood out to us most from this pretty dominant win, I would say, over the Grizzlies as we finish up our game recap. This one is, I think, one of the best examples of how the Suns have overcome something in a big way early in the season. Uh, An issue flowed, and then they kind of squelched it, and so we'll see how it continues. But before we get into that, a reminder to subscribe to our show wherever you are finding it, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. We know there's a ton of platforms out there, but follow us, subscribe to our show however you can to stay along with us for this ride. It's been a lot of fun so far. We've loved the support from you guys. Our our numbers have been growing as much as uh, we've been checking on it and, and keeping up, but it's awesome just to see the interaction and everything as well. So hopefully we see you guys at Talking Stick Resort Arena this week and you guys check your uh, podcast feeds to, to stay up to date with us as well. So hit the subscribe button and enjoy the week.
so the number that I was alluding to with something that the Suns did badly for a little while and then already have kind of patched the hole. I'm not saying it'll stand up and there will be a lot of fluctuation here, but it's fouling. Uh, they they really were panicking uh, last early last week, especially after that Utah game, about kind of balancing that defensive aggressiveness with fouling and how do you find the mix there and what's what's appropriate how do the referees come into it are are they interacting with the referees the right types of ways Kelly Oubre got a a fine ten thousand dollar fine for the way he was interacting and being vulgar with the referees like all that stuff kind of came to a head and then Golden State but then especially against Memphis uh 22 against Golden State and then just 20 fouls against the Grizzlies here or on the Suns in the game against the Grizzlies and that that's very nice to see that they were able to at least address that problem in a hurry here. Yeah, I, that's a good point you bring up there because, like you mentioned, the fouls, they only had 20 in this game. They had nine steals, though, so the aggressiveness on the defensive end certainly stood up there. They out, they did better in the foul category than the Memphis Grizzlies as well. Two Grizzlies had more fouls than them, and that was a true concern for the Suns there because, like you mentioned, Monty Williams even brought up last week, even some players didn't want to really go into much detail because they were afraid about getting fined in some media interviews. For fair reason, with the way that we already mentioned, there, Kelly Ray's been fined before ten thousand dollars for his uh, directing toward officials. But I think that's just going to balance out. And I think the main thing about that brand is respect. And I think at least through the six games so far, I think the Suns are earning that respect. Won't you say? I think so. And I asked Monty Williams today at practice just what if there's been anything that was different. If he thought it was the players adjusting or more the referees just calling things a little bit differently. And he said, well, I would hope that it's the players adjusting because I I guess the way that he chose to kind of attack that problem was they went over a lot of uh, just bonus awareness. I'm sure you've heard him use that term too, where it's like balancing, okay, maybe early in quarters, we can go after it a little bit more. And then we get to four or five or three, four fouls or trying to avoid getting that fifth one. Let's maybe hold off and not not be quite as aggressive and it is a balance because it's going to take away from your defense a little bit especially the way this team plays so that's kind of a little bit of insight into how they did it but regardless uh they they at least patched it for these two games and and they like you said didn't really let up too much as far as how they uh, were able to create turnovers but what is your number here your stat to watch this is one of those weird games, Brian. I feel like it's one of the ones, very rare ones. I did it a few times last year, but this certainly qualifies as one of those where I'm going to have to just like toss like multiple stats in the one category here just for my bullet point. And for me, it's going to be the field goal percentage of 50%, the three-point percentage of 41%, the free throw percentage of 75%. So 50, 41, 75. You almost do 50, 40, 90 there, 12, 16 from the free throw line. So you're barely almost 90% there missing one or two extra free throws. Just a very efficient night for this team. And in the offensive rebound category, Brennan, four rebounds on the offensive glass for this team compared to 13 for the Grizzlies. If you saw the rebounding differential in this game, 46 to 32, and nearly tripling them on the offensive glass, you think the Grizzlies would win this game, but the Suns really dominated that game. So it's, it, it comes down to the efficiency, and I, I think the lack of rebounding was covered up by how efficient they were today. Yeah, uh, the the efficiency is just crazy. I mean, I, I posted on I, I tweeted that it's just been so wild that Frank Kaminsky is, is really been like as far as on average over the course of these six games, really the second scorer for the Suns. I, I mean, I, I guess Kelly Oubre, but his offense kind of comes more in the flow of things. The fact that Kaminsky 
uh, and some of these other players have really been asked to create shots, and we talked about Carter, even Sharich, I think, is an example, uh, that so many different guys who we don't think of as being good creators have done that, at least enough to be passable. And then you will, then you think it's passable, and you look, and it's like, well, no, these, these guys are actually pretty elite on offense right now, and 50-41-75 is nothing to ignore so it's just such a testament to the coaching I think Uh, and like you said it helps them kind of overcome other things that maybe they're getting beaten at on a nightly basis but uh, it's just I would not have told you that they shot 50% from the field yesterday they got off to a really gross start both teams did and somehow they came back to to finish 50% it's just crazy if I told you six games into the season Baron, the Suns would be after that second in net rating what would you have said uh, I probably would have celebrated that it would be a fun job to have to cover this team, but uh, no, I, I like we both have we went over it so many times previewing this team that it was just so unexpected, uh, or that it would be so impressive, and and we weren't expecting them to to be able to win many of these first six, seven, even you know fifteen games. They have a lot of home games coming up, but they're still against pretty good teams here, so. Uh, just wild. Um, and speaking of, I mean, we can maybe close out here with some thoughts on the Sixers. Their first test, really, I think the biggest test they've had since the Clippers, who they obviously beat, but no Joel Embiid as he serves the second game of his suspension after fighting Carl Anthony Towns on the basketball court and on the internet, but really just uh, suspended for the on-court part. So no Embiid. They did not have any problems without Embiid against Portland. They played one of the better, more fun games of the year and and beat the Trailblazers. Al Horford kind of went off in his place. So what are you looking at as they face off against what is probably the best team in the league right now? Yeah, the Sixers are undefeated so far this season. And I'm trying to think against the Suns team, I imagine they put Horford at center and you slide Harris up to the four at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's what they did against Portland and they started Thibel. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. So that's definitely going to be a tough matchup. I imagine they might put the rookie Thibel around Devin Booker. So that's going to be a fun matchup there if Booker versus Thibel and if Booker can give the rookie a lesson there. Because I, I think this game is going to be very close. I think it's going to come to the wire again. I just have a hard time after seeing how this team has responded to adversity so far this year, Brennan. They've trailed by double digits for only 15 seconds this year. They've led by 78 minutes for double digits so far in six games, which is just an incredible statistic there. Trailing by 15 seconds in the, in the opener against the Kings, and they came back and went on that huge run in the third and fourth quarter. So I don't think this team's going to get blown out that much at all this season, but I think it's going to be a very close game. But I think without Embiid out there and without Ben Simmons, who still hasn't proven he can shoot from three-point range or really anything beyond the paint right now from a consistent basis, I think the Suns actually do have a real shot to win this game, Brennan. I think that they'll be competitive. As long as they can defend, they'll be right in it, uh, and they've shown that. That's been the way they've stayed in these games. Even if their offense isn't going, they're able to to stop the other team just enough to keep the game close. So I think just in general that'll be the recipe. And then I think on the Sixers' side, the matchup I'm looking at is uh, I think it'll be Oubre on Ben Simmons and what what happens there. You know, How do they – Actually, I'm not even sure of that because as much as the big version of the Philly starting lineup poses issues, I think the small version does too. Uh, Who does Dario Saric guard? Literally, there's nobody uh, that he can really adequately handle. So I'm I'm interested there. Uh, I think it'll be Oubre on Simmons, though, and and how does that play out? Because Monty Williams said today, you know, he always expects Ben to play really well when Embiid is out. That's always happened historically. And so I would expect the same. 
if the Suns can stop Simmons and, and play some good defense, I think they'll have a chance in this one. For those who remember, Monty Williams was a Sixer assistant last year and the year before that, I believe, too. So maybe Monty knows and maybe he's game plan, maybe the most thorough game plan so far for the Sixers team, even though they did add, add Al Horford, they lost Jimmy Beller. But most of that team is still the same that he saw this time when he was coaching in the playoffs. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be fun for that reason. Uh, I think he has a lot of admiration for Brett Brown. Brett Brown, that was really I think a big stepping stone for him ultimately getting this Phoenix job as a head coach to be the, you know, top assistant for a great team last season under Brown. And we also have the possibility Javon didn't give us his revenge game, but we might get the uh, the homies revenge game here. Dario Saric against his former team. We'll have to see. Yeah, that would certainly be fun. And once again, the final score of the game on Saturday for the Suns moved to 4-2 in the season in Memphis, 114-105. to 105. They, they led by Delegates for most of that game. The Suns are now 4-2 and two on the season. Brendan, any final thoughts before we close today's show? No, I'm excited. It should be a fun week. We get to be around these guys a lot in the next few days because they're playing a lot at home. So come support the team, see the, see the action up close, and uh, come say hi if you're there. Yeah, six-game homestand coming up, seven in the next eight at home at Tuck's Resort Arena, the best start for the Suns in the last six years. So I hope to see a lot of Suns fans at Tuck's Resort Arena throughout the next couple weeks. But I'm Evan Sidery, joined, as always, by co-host Brendan Clean. We'll talk to you guys on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday for next episode.